Hey folks, welcome to Enrollify's latest podcast series, BrandCamp. BrandCamp is a special podcast series on why brand manifestos matter in higher education and how to create one for your institution, your academic unit, or your program. This special series is brought to you by Unincorporated, a higher education agency committed to building engagement, growing enrollments, and solving major challenges facing universities, schools, and academies. BrandCamp is hosted by me, Zach Buzikers from Enrollify, and Ian Evanstar, founder and CEO of Unincorporated. This series will explore why higher ed needs better brand manifestos, how to craft a mission statement for your school that doesn't suck, why vision statements are crucial for higher ed marketing, and how to audit your brand values and augment your brand positioning accordingly. You can learn more about the incredible work that Unincorporated is doing and explore their client case studies at unincorporated.com. Or you can connect with Ian on LinkedIn via the link in the show notes below. All right, get ready, folks. It's time to go to Brand Camp. All righty, this is episode four of Brand Camp. Ian, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here with you again today and share a bit more about the Brand Manifesto framework. Yes, I, I am excited as well. This is the, again, as I mentioned, the fourth episode in this awesome little mini series that we are doing with the folks over at Unincorporated. So if you're just joining us for the first time right now, you may want to scroll down to the show notes and start at episode one. Um, however, this is, will also be a very entertaining, dynamic, informative conversation. So maybe you start at the end and, and work your way backwards just to be different. But just to be uh, crystal clear, you are sort of joining us at episode four of this of this miniseries. So today, Ian, we're going to be talking about brand values and how to audit your brand values um, and ha- how to augment your brand positioning in accordance with those those values. And, and to kick us off here, I thought it would be helpful for you to just kind of in your own words, talk about how core values fit into the brand manifesto framework that we've been unpacking over the last several weeks. Uh, wh- what comes to mind with respect to the the importance that core values hold within the context of this of this framework? Yeah. Well, I, I love this particular topic and the fact that we're going to spend some time on brand values because I think this does really get finally to the center the core, if you will, of the entire framework. Uh, the brand values, you know, they are part of that triumvirate, which makes up your brand manifesto. We've talked about your mission statement, your vision statement, and then ultimately your values that are all going to work together in harmony in order to create that strong brand platform. Yeah. Um, so I'll so so I'll give you a, vi- a visualization of this. Please, Think please. of the, the brand manifesto as three concentric circles. Okay. okay. First circle I'm going to draw on a piece of paper. This is going to symbolize that question, what I'm trying to achieve, right? We're going to put everything on this circle that is really the, the symbolization of your vision. All right. Okay. You with me? I'm with you. I got it. Now we're going to draw another circle inside of that first one. And that's going to represent the how I will achieve the vision. This is my mission statement, right? So we're going kind of a layer. We're peeling back the onion a little bit here and going a a little bit closer to the center. 
Now, I'll draw one final circle inside of the first two. And this is what Simon Sinek says when he says, you know, start with why. Yeah. That this should be your why. Because basically everything emanates. Your mission, which are those ideal habits of how you're going to achieve your vision, emanates, you know, outward to your mission statement, that that uh, next circle. And then ultimately outward to the exterior, which is that vision, that external goal or objective that you want to hit long term. But it's deeper than that. It's actually one circle inside of there. Sorry, Simon <laughs> Sinek, I hate to break it to you. But the circle inside of there that's more most important and more important than the why even is the who. Hmm. This is brand, you know, this is identity-based branding. This is the who am I? Hmm. And the only way you can answer that from a branding standpoint of who am I as a brand is to identify your core values. So those values sit at the center of all of it and they emanate outward through your mission and ultimately help you achieve that outer rim, which is that vision. Uh, so well said. And I love that Simon Sinek got a, got a shout out. Uh, he's, he's one of my favorites. Just, just to play, not, not even to play devil's advocate, but just to maybe uh, speak to the elephant in, in the room here. Why is it so important for brands to articulate their values? I, I think at, like at some level we can all understand this, but in your experience and, and from your perspective, Ian, why, why is the articulation of these values especially important when it comes to uh, growing and, and maintaining a strong brand? Right. So I think this is fundamentally the biggest challenge when it comes to your brand manifesto, because we can all pay lip service to what we value, right? Like, oh, I value integrity. Hmm. I value health. So that in itself isn't enough. Okay. Sure. So, so it, it has, it has, it comes with this air of, yeah, I get it. We need to have values, but you know, do they really matter? How do they really make an impact? And and we'll get to the kind of the, the, the tactical or technical ways that values actually produce results. But to speak more philosophically or more generally, it's important for organizations, companies, brands to articulate their values because values ultimately, they're going to determine how you approach your life, your business, your operations. Okay. They're going to, sure. they're going to guide that pursuit of meaningful work. They're gonna guide the way that you build relationships. They will, we hear a lot about, you know, developing good company culture, good team culture. Your values are going to cultivate and curate the culture that you want to manifest. They will also inform really difficult decisions that you will see along the way as a leader, like hiring, firing, you know, acquisitions, mergers, should we take on that new program? Should we hire that new faculty member? Should we take in or acquire that new endowment or that new you know, name on the side of the building? Your values are the place that you turn to in order to inform those difficult decisions. Uh, these values are really, these are the fundamental instructions on how you will invest your time, energy, attention, and money. Okay. So it's, these values are so important yeah. <laughs> to articulate, but probably more important to actually execute against. Um, you can think of values really as like governing rules hmm. or the non-negotiables, as I, as I sometimes refer to them. These are the primary laws of your organization. And 
to give, again, a few examples here, these governing rules, they actually show up in every aspect of our life. So science, for example, we have the law or the value of gravity, right? This is going to dictate how objects move and behave within the physical universe. Okay, we get that. But consider the values within our culture, such as like the laws or the value of morality. You know, every life is created equal, for example, and any crime against humanity is inexcusable. So those values that we share culturally are shaping the society and the culture that we live in. So obviously very important to articulate and very important to keep people accountable to that. So when we determine, when we document and we ultimately express these values, we're actually shaping our company culture. We're helping determine how we're going to approach our work. We're going to guide that pursuit of meaningful work. And we will use them when needed to call upon for difficult decisions along the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so well said. I, I am struck too by the that by the notion of like articulating values, right? It's not it's not enough to just have values, right? But you know, articulate exactly. it. It's an active it's an active word, right? So within the context of of this articulation, like what what is this what does this practically look like? So you said you you've said document, right? Is this is this yes. something that like should be plastered in every room on campus? Is this something that should live on somebody's computer desktop? Is this something is this, is the articulation of values something that should sit next to somebody's desk or do, do me a favor, just kind of unpack this a, a little bit further, if you will, so that we can really understand sort of the the importance here. Yeah. So this was something that I struggled for a long time because even though I knew at the core, you know, that center circle within, you know, what, what, what I was trying to achieve when I founded Unincorporated, even though I knew what was most near and dear to me, even though I knew what I valued and I had these non-negotiables or these governing laws, I still wasn't seeing the direct results of those values, hmm. even though they were in the employee onboarding handbook, even though I had a really nicely designed poster of it, you know, hanging above my desk or, you know, in the office setting, I wasn't seeing those results. So the, the point I'm trying to make here is, is exactly what you kind of alluded to, which is like anyone can articulate their values. Anyone can inscribe them on an edifice or a statue. You know, I, I'm so I'm a USC alum, which I know, you know, and Tommy Trojan statue, it's a granite pedestal and inscribed on there are like the ideal qualities of a Trojan, what we value as Trojans. Yeah. Faithful, scholarly, skillful, courageous, and ambitious. But the most important question is, you know, how is the university actually holding their leadership and their staff and their faculty and their students accountable to these values? Yeah. You can't just have them in the center of your campus and, and you know, assume that everyone's going to follow this. So you have to not only articulate them, but celebrate them, execute against them, keep everyone accountable to them really is what's most important. And I can give the listeners some places where I've been able to kind of solve for that that challenge. Yeah. And, you know, some some practical know how of if you're if you're seeing if you're, you're kind of seeing that the values aren't translating the way that the, you want them to how you can actually implement them and, and make some improvements hey everybody zach from enrollify here you know that feeling you get when your boss tells you to go find a new crm 
Or when you're tasked with finding a handful of digital agencies to respond to your RFP, it's exciting, but it's also a little overwhelming. Where do you start? How do you know what software or service provider is the best fit for your school's unique context? Well, that's why the Enrollify team built Chatter, a feedback platform built to help higher ed marketing and admissions teams find the software, services, and resources that they need for success. Chatter is your one-stop shop for reviews on CRMs, student information systems, application software, marketing agencies, online program managers, branding agencies, higher education associations, professional development resources, and much, much more. Our goal is to equip you with the information that you need to make the right purchasing decision for your team. Get started by reading reviews and writing one of your own, and then invite your colleagues to do the same. Click the link in the show notes below or head on over to enrollify.org forward slash chatter. Chatter, it's where great decisions start. I'd love your thoughts on how often values should be either updated or revisited. We've, we've spent some time over the last several weeks talking about uh, mission statements and vision statements, right? And, and really talking yeah. about how your vision statement is, is something that, that shouldn't be changed that often, right? You, you come up, if done well, if, if the work is done well, it's going to take a long time to, to realize that, that particular vision, right? With respect to the right. mission statement too, that, you know, that might be a little bit more focused, a little bit more timely, depending on the context. Uh, what, what, what about values? How, how often should these be thought through and or, and or revisited and or augmented? Yeah. So they do change, at least my experience working with some of the largest brands, you know, that, that we know of uh, in today's economy, as well as some of the largest private universities. I do see that values can change. They can, they can kind of evolve, if you will, over time. So those governing laws, those non-negotiables, I, I have seen that they can, they can shift slightly. Hmm. Um, so we'll, we, we can, we can, kind of give ourselves that grace. You know, you don't have to have values perfectly identified and articulated right from the get-go. They will evolve. But what I recommend, you know, just very practically speaking is if you're a leader in like say a president of a university and you want to check alignment around these values, you know, the ones that I shared, like faithful, scholarly, skillful, you can, you can actually run an anonymous survey to, to kind of measure the general or attitude, general attitude or expression of these values within your different team or academic units, right? So you could run this at the, you know, kind of leadership council at that level. You can also run this survey within the smaller groups there on campus. And you can also be looking at things like, you know, how high is your turnover rate? Yeah. So if you're seeing a, like a high turnover rate, chances are people aren't deriving a lot of meaning and purpose out of their work. And it's likely because of some misalignment with their value set. There's also just, you know, and this is a, a more difficult one to measure, but what's the general excitement level? Like maybe sitting around that in that dean's cabinet, you ask the, uh, the, the various associate deans, you say, hey, What's the general excitement level that you're hearing from your students? What's the general excitement level that you're seeing within your labs or, you know, within your research teams? Hmm. Uh, are they motivated hmm. as new initiatives, new projects, new studies are, are kind of getting assigned or tasks are getting assigned out? What's the general excitement level? So these are the indicators on whether or not like values are really like being transmitted or transcended. But 
if they're not working, then this could be a, a moment or an opportunity to go back and see how you might modify them. We, we give an example again from the agency. We found over time that in our day-to-day -day operations, something people felt, and again, this was through a qualitative survey that I was running with my team. I was getting this feedback that people felt like there were moments where they couldn't kind of speak their minds. Mm. They couldn't like just say straight out with authenticity what they were feeling. And I knew that I always like wanted people to speak up and share their, you know, as long as it's done in a respectful tone. But because of that feedback, we went back and added the value of candor hmm. and to speak, you know, candidly with candor and that respectful tone was actually something that I valued, but I needed to hear that from the team in order to like actually, you know, formalize it, articulate it and add it into our final value set that we have right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a fantastic example, and what I what I love about that is, that it's a, it's it's a cool example of, it's not like you set out to change a core value, right, or to to augment uh your your brand's values, it exactly. in light of in light of what happened in real time, you because you do take this work so seriously, realized, huh, if this thing is really important to me, and if this thing isn't isn't happening at the, in the way that I like to see it happen maybe that's because we don't value it enough and exactly. maybe maybe we need to maybe we need to write this down maybe we need to celebrate it maybe we need to promote it so that that's a great yeah. example and, yeah go ahead and on, and on that note zach i'll i'll say that when we you know we onboard new team members or we're bringing in say new staff new faculty we may sit them as part of their orientation we may sit them down and say hey these are the things we value right mm -hmm. it's very top down kind of like governing laws. Like you're born into a society that has like these prescribed values and, you know, they, they ethically and morally maybe make sense, but at the same time, they're kind of given to you, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the same exact way when you enter or you're birthed into an organization, you know, a change of career, new university, new program, new role, new title. You're kind of birthed into this culture, which has its own set of values. So they're very top down. So here's what leaders need to do. Here's what need, leaders need to do more than just articulating, hey, this is what we value. They need to be constantly on the move, constantly like inspired by and motivated to find ways that they can communicate that this is also, this is, I'm gonna slow down for a second because this is super important and I want listeners to hear this. You can also be reminding them that this is the way that you bring value to your job. Hmm. So I value knowledge at the agency, but this is, and I can tell you that and speak that to you and you can say, yeah, I, I get it. I, I like to learn. I also value knowledge. But when I start to say, Zach, by you developing and owning up and working on this value of knowledge, this is the way that you're going to bring more and more value to your job hmm. and to yourself as a professional. And not only that, but in the pursuit of this value together, you're going to be bringing more, more and more value to your job year over year. But it's also going to be the way that we can, can continue to deliver value to our clients. Hmm. This is the way we deliver value to our students, clients, stakeholders, et cetera. And this is the piece that a lot of people get wrong. And this is, the, if anything, this is the aha moment of this segment, which is to remind people that your values aren't top down. 
They're not just these core principles. They are the way that your employees add value to their job. They're the ways that they build value in their own careers. And that they are the ways ultimately that we deliver value to our end user, customer, student, et cetera. Mic drop. <laughs> that, that, that was awesome. That was awesome, Ian. And and I couldn't agree more. And actually, that, that right at the end there, that's a, that's a nice transition into kind of my next question for you, which is around how are how are these used as like marketing assets, right? Like when you we, we've talked a lot about sort of core values as being incredibly important to uh, team collaboration, to to uh, organizational unity, right? To to common vision. Um, but but what about and I think your USC example touches on this a little bit. But what what about from a from a marketer standpoint? How are how are core values like leveraged with respect to student recruitment, right? Uh, and or and or just larger brand marketing efforts? Yeah. So a, a college may put in their their marketing brochure or somewhere on their website that you know we offer study abroad programs which is in a way it's a it's a their expression of a value which is you know kinetic or active learning you know active learning through discovery travel you know immersion yeah so from a marketing standpoint you can take the values that you have within your program and communicate that out outward into your marketing materials right and and, and that's not only marketing, but also sales too, right? Like when you get to that final decision point or that inflection between like, should I choose this program or, or the other? That's a perfect opportunity to illustrate how your program might be distinctly different than your competitor. Yeah. And again, I'll, I'll give you an example from agency worlds. Like if, if we're in discussions with a program and they're thinking about hiring unincorporated compared to another firm, and we're in that sort of last conversation where they're vetting both firms and they, they really want to understand, okay, on paper, you guys seem about the same. What's, what's truly going to be the decision make made here, the, the distinction made yeah. between these two, you can point to your values and say, well, I haven't shared this with you before, but knowledge is one of our most core endearing values that we have as an agency. So I promise to you that as we, partner together, learn together, work together, try to succeed together, we are always going to be coming to the table with new ideas. We are always going to be putting in front of you, like, you know, the freshest, best and brightest, like innovations that we're seeing within marketing design or branding. Yeah. And so that's our promise. And that's not something we're going to have to reach for because it's at the core of who we are. It's that center circle inside of all of us here at the agency. So, this, so from a marketing standpoint, these are going to show up in your external communications, but they can also be like brand differentiators when you're thinking about, okay, well, your brand equity, why should someone hire you or why do you put a premium on your service? It's because of how your values might be distinctly different than, say, your competitor. Uh, that was a great example. I, I'm even re reminded of my own college experience where, so I went to George Mason University right outside of DC in uh, Fairfax, Virginia. And um, the M Mason's tagline at the time, I don't know that they would have called it their, it, it was pretty, it, I don't know how they would have referred to it. We, we all thought about it as their tagline, which was uh, where innovation is tradition. 
And I, I distinctly remember, and again, I don't know that they would have considered this a core value per se, but I distinctly remember being in classes and if uh, there was like this joke, right, among, and this happened on, on, on more than a couple occasions where if we were doing something that felt, you know, way too traditional or, or not innovative at all, we would make this joke to like to our faculty, to our professors, we'd be like, well, you know, doesn't really seem like uh, this place is a is an environment that celebrates innovation. Uh, I, yeah. I, I must be missing it, right? Where, where where's right. the innovation? And and we would make these comments, and this wasn't just like a you know me and my buddies thing. This was a thing that the school actually wrestled with, and I I distinctly remember at yeah. one point getting an email from I don't know somebody in like the marketing office talking about like. It was almost like it wasn't an official response, but it was all these examples of the innovative things that George Mason was doing. But anyways, all that is to say yeah. is that, you know, core values are incredibly important because, again, even for existing students, they latch onto they latch onto these values and then they expect them. And if that expectation exactly. isn't delivered in some way, shape or form, they might, you know, screw around or joke about it in class or or they could, you know, you, you, it could be much worse and they could decide to, to leave or, to, you know, go somewhere else and or just feel like they were promised something that was never actually delivered. So anyways, yeah. all that is you don't want to say, over promise. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's what I would. Here's the guidance. If, if I was consulting with leadership in that situation. Yeah. So it sounded like the, the response to that was here's an email listing out like all the places where we're doing innovation, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. Again, very top down, it was comical, right? Yeah. Like yeah. this, this is what we value. This is how we're doing it. Like enough said, there shouldn't be any more confusion on the matter. But what if instead, and this is something again that I, I prescribe is what if instead that leadership team went back and said, Hey, how are we running our quarterly and annual performance reviews? Hmm what's the rubric right now on how we assess how people are bringing value, how our faculty yeah. is bringing value yeah. to their courses, to the students. Oh, wouldn't you know it? Innovation is not one of the things that we're measuring <laughs> in our performance reviews. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a really easy key, simple takeaway. And this was the, this was the secret for unincorporated that I unlocked a few years ago was like, Holy cow. If I say I value this and the organization says they value this, then this also needs to be the way we evaluate <laughs> the actual performance of the organization. So yeah. they put innovation into their performance review. And now when your dean is sitting there with a faculty member and going through the performance review, they say, OK, let's talk about innovation. Where have you upheld this value? Let's yeah. celebrate those wins. Yeah. Talk to me about the places and, and if they haven't for that year, the first year you roll it out, you better believe the next time that faculty member steps in that classroom with you, the young Zach, <laughs> they're thinking about how to innovate that class. Oh, yeah. How, where they can bring innovation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that and all of a sudden, the whole thing gets aligned. It gets communicated. It gets translated. And most importantly, it gets felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and gets manifested long term. So... Put it into your performance reviews. Put your values into your the rubric for your performance assessments. And then maybe maybe if you're listening to this and you're like, oh well, that that would never work. Maybe you have the wrong values, right? Like if it isn't something that you could put into into a, a way to performance yeah. uh, assessment or or any other way to sort of measure it, maybe it is the wrong value, or maybe it's time to it to is. revisit these values. 
Yeah. And, and on that front, and that's, a, I think, a very, that's a great piece of feedback given my like, you should do this and this is the only way. <laughs> you can innovate. All right. We're going to use that word again. You can innovate on in the places where you do have autonomy. Hmm. So maybe you can't, you know, put these in, you know, the, I know these performance evaluations, they're like in some legacy software platform and to like rewrite the whole thing and redo the rubric that's tied to compensation, like an impossible thing to change. Sure, right? sure. But where can you bring this idea of celebrating the value of innovation? Like maybe that's just in your weekly standup. You know, may, maybe that is the uh, faculty of the month you know, that you put on your website and it says, you know, this faculty member embrace the value of innovation through these ways. So you can celebrate the, the wins with your team or you can look for other ways to fold in your values operationally yeah. in the places where you do have autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love those. I love those examples as well. Um, and, and a good reminder, Ian, one, one of the things that you've talked about and I know is, uh, is, is uh, aligned with or, or similar to the kind of this the brand manifesto framework that we've been unpacking over the last several weeks is this idea of identity based branding. Can you just, can you unpack exactly what this is and, and um, maybe share with our listeners an, an example or two of, of how it works? Yeah. So the idea was born out of the writing and the thinking of James clear. So I'm going to give him, he wrote a great book called atomic habits. Yeah. Yeah. And in that book, he goes through the science, the behavior, and the research of how we can set goals for ourselves. And in the terms of Brand Manifesto, this is your vision statement, right? We could set the big, hairy, audacious goal, the BHAG. And year over year, we may have a goal like, hey, I'm going to lose 20 pounds or, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit drinking this year, right? And that's all well and good. But ultimately, and these are James Clear's words, not mine. He says, we don't rise to the level of the goals or the vision. We fall to the level of our habits. Mm. So mm. we fall to the level of our mission statement, right? Our ideal day-to-day -day habits. And, and I got thinking and I was like, okay, that's true. That's true. But I think there's actually one layer below that. And again, Simon Sinek says, this is a why statement. But one layer below that is we actually fall to the level of who we are. Hmm. So identity-based branding is really getting clear on who you are so that you can rise to the level of your habits and ultimately hit that goal, that objective, right? So there's a, there's a great case study. It was two control groups. One group, they were said, okay, you're going to, you're going to quit smoking. And every time someone asks if you would like a cigarette, you're going to say, no, I'm trying to quit smoking. Hmm. Okay. Then the other control group, same exercise, cold turkey. But every time someone asks you if you want a cigarette, you're going to respond and said, no, I'm not a smoker. Hmm. And then they did this thought experiment for you know three months, whatever the duration was. And they went back. And the group that identified with not being a smoker, that they, that they valued this idea that I have changed fundamentally, my identity is now tied to this value of not being a smoker, 
they were far less likely to go back, you know, years later and, and actually pick up the habit again. Wow. So this is very powerful when you just like shift the, the mindset between, you know, I'm going to try to stick to these habits, these disciplined habits within, say, my mission statement. That's well and good. And James Clear has it right. You got to focus there on, on what those ideal habits are. But if you can have those and then go a layer deeper and start to identify with who you want to be, you're actually going to be a lot, you'll, you'll be set up for success a lot more than just sticking to the habits and certainly more than just sticking to the goal alone. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a great example. And it, it sort of just reinforces the whole idea of, you know, affirmation. Some people really like this stuff. Other people, you know, critique it. But I do think that there is, there's something, you know, about saying, for instance, I'm, I'm not going to get distracted versus saying, I'm focused, right? And just, and repeating yeah. that over and over and over. Uh, I, I did a yeah. small little test, uh, literally using that exact example. I don't know if it was like six months ago. Um, and, and it works like it, it's strange, but it works. Um, it's so it is strangely effective. It is absolutely it is. As, as weird or as cheesy as or different as it is, uh, is something about it works, man. So I, 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 I had a, I had a weight loss goal, right? And so for this year, my, my word of the year was health, right? Mm. So that was the, the, the outer realm. My vision was to, to be a healthier person. And er, and I, you know, I said, okay, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to do these other things. These are, this is my mission statement. This is how I'm going to, you know, proceed day to day. And then in those moments where I'm like, ah, oh, you know, the, a bowl of ice cream would really be nice <laughs> at the end of the day right now. Instead of saying, no, I'm on a diet. I reminded myself, I'm a healthy person. Yeah, I'm a healthy person. What yeah. would a healthy person do right now? Would a healthy person choose, regardless of whatever diet I'm on? Yeah. Would a healthy person choose to have ice cream right now? Yeah. Yes or no? No. Uh, you know, a healthy person wouldn't. Okay, I'm a healthy person. Great decision made. Right. Easy. Move on. Another key idea I just want to leave with the listeners because I think it's profound, which is what you value is ultimately where you will invest. Hmm. Okay. So where you invest your time, where you invest your energy, where you invest your money. And again, this is, could be operationally, or it could be at the individual level, but where you invest is a mirror to what you value. Hmm. Here's a couple examples. I work nine to five at the end of the day or end of the week, I go out and I party with my friends, right? Saturday night rolls around. Boom. I'm at the bar. Versus someone, they work nine to five, and then that Saturday night, they spend time with their family, hmm. playing board games. Another person works nine to five, they go, Saturday night rolls around, and they go to the gym, or maybe they read a book, or maybe they start writing, you know, that a few words on that manuscript. Each person is investing their time and energy in a different way because they value reading, learning, spending time with friends, being social, family, right? They all have different values. Yeah. And so that's where they're spending their time. So if you want to know ultimately, and this goes, I'm going to up-level this for a second. You Please. Know, why is it important to articulate the value? Great to articulate the value and give lip service to what you value. But if you want to spot check what you really value, look at where you're investing your time, energy, focus, money. <laughs> that's going to tell you what you value. Scary when you start thinking in these uh, in these frames, man. Uh, dangerous things can happen. Radical change can occur. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um, 
Ian, as as we as we wrap this this series, this has been uh, again just a just a joy. I've learned I've learned a ton, um, and right. I know that you know this is really kind of just scratching the the tip of the iceberg here. And you, we've got the whole brand manifesto framework that we'll link below that folks can go and and access to to learn a lot more about this. They can come and they can talk to you and your team to figure out how everything that we've been talking about applies to to their unique context. Um, but but as we wrap here, as we think about kind of tying in mission, vision, core values all all together, is there is there anything you want to leave, leave us with, or any any words of wisdom, or kind of like you know last hurrahs um, that you <laughs> that you hope folks will will take away from from the conversations that we've been having over the last few weeks? I think the big idea here is that this framework is a collection of three tools, mission, vision, values, but they're tools. Hmm. They have to actually be put into practice for them to make any kind of lasting difference, change or growth for the organization or for the individual. So I hope it's my hope that with this framework and this tool set, you now feel empowered to do the work, hmm. but this is not a silver bullet. <laughs> yeah. This is only giving you the guidance of how to put the tools into practice, but it's up to you to figure out how you're actually going to implement this. The first step is to do the workbook, right? Go to unincorporated.com slash brand manifesto and start with the workbook. And then if you need help, if you need consultation, if you need someone to guide you through this, Coach you along, keep you accountable, you know, un, un, uh, at, provide clarity where you're feeling uncertain, hmm. then obviously reach out. That's where a guide can, can definitely help. But the big idea, the last idea here, the final thought is take these tools. They are, I've seen it, the best, the brightest, the greatest brands have really figured out how to implement and execute this brand manifesto framework. But ultimately, it's up to you to do the work. Ian, this has been a treat. Thank you for your time. Thank you to the unincorporated team who has helped make all of this possible and has given me some of your time, which I know is highly valuable. But um, we, uh, I just want to uh, end by encouraging folks, if you are just joining us again for episode four, if you've only listened to a couple episodes, go back, listen to this full series. It's chock full of really good information. If you scroll down to your show notes, all of the episodes that have been published previously will be linked there. Ian, my friend, until next time, thank you. Thank you, Zach. I really appreciate the platform and the opportunity to share this. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.